Today's letter is F, and our phrase for today is face to face. Now, you may say, okay, I know what face to face means. And so, what more is there to explore here? Well, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised if I can get this and keep it under 10 minutes, even though it's our format here on our STEAM Information Podcast to keep our topics under 10 minutes. This is quite a weighty topic. Why? Because Agile really emphasizes the importance of face-to-face communication and collaboration. But in our world today, and in our work environments, we're actually going to a very distributed type framework. People are working from home. We're contracting and consulting with people and resources that are in different cities, states, even different countries, countries in different time zones. So we're actually cultivating an environment where people are very rarely face-to-face, thanks to technology. We've got conference calls, and we have email, and we have text, and we have instant message. So the need to be face-to-face is an anomaly. It's rare you have a meeting and not have someone dialed in in some form or fashion. So it's getting rather tricky because there is a lot of value and a lot to benefit from being face-to-face. People treat and act completely different when you're looking someone in their face versus sending them an email or a text or having a phone conversation. It gives you the opportunity to respond to body language, eye contact, and nonverbal cues. As I was developing my skill set as a business analyst in IT, we had whole classes on understanding people's body language. Well, how do you know if what the person's saying is reflected in their body language if you're not even face-to-face. So these are some of the many challenges of our new distributed and virtual world. So that's what I want to focus on. How do you build a face-to-face culture when your team is distributed and remote? So I found a source that I want to share with you, and that source comes from zapier.com. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R.com. And it's referred to as chapter two of 14. And this particular chapter was written by a Wade Foster. And his actual title is How to Build Culture in a Remote Team. So I just put a twist on it. How to Build a Face-to-Face Culture with a Remote and Distributed Team. So I'm going to pick out certain points from his article, but I encourage you to to read the whole article for yourself and explore. But the one thing that he starts by talking about, uh, what we also refer to in Agile, co-located teams. And the co-located teams, that's the equivalent of a face-to-face team. That means we're all sitting in the same location, 
working the same hours and when we need to communicate, we're right there, sometimes at arm's length. You know, we're we're right there and able to connect and have those ad hoc conversations. Now, what he actually starts out by saying is actually having a co-located team can give you the false sense that you have a healthy team and that you don't need team building. People sometimes think just by having you in the same space and area, you somehow are going to form a team somehow magically. But Wade's article says that's not the case. And case in point, uh, one person once said to him that they were having culture problems uh, uh, with their team. And so they solved it by buying a foosball table. So, sure, the foosball table, people gathered around and and maybe let off some steam and uh, took their mind off of work for a few minutes. But did it really build a team culture. And, and and let's talk about what do we mean by team culture? That means a team of where people are trusting each other and they can be open and honest and they're communicating with each other openly. Can a foosball table really do all that? So that's what he means by being co-located can sometimes give you this false sense of a healthy team or a team culture. And furthermore, that statement about buying the foosball table to address culture issues um, is flawed because it makes it seem like it's not something that you have to work at. And what Wade Foster emphasizes in his article is that when you really respect what it takes to build a healthy collaborative team, you know that it takes some work. You have to put in time, effort, resources. So, with that said, he provides us with seven points to consider when it comes to building a face-to-face culture, especially and even when and even in spite of teammates being thousands of miles apart. So, and I'll tell you, uh, I'm going to take some of his points out of order because I actually liked uh, some of the, the really key points uh, the further down that we went. Um, and so I'm going to start with what's in his article is number six. Trust is the foundation. So when it comes to face-to-face communication and and remote teams, um, you have to have trust in your teammates. Trust that they're capable and competent, that they have something to contribute, that they have work ethics, and they want to do the right thing. And what that's saying, basically, though, is that you still, at the same time, allow people to make mistakes. And that's, that's what trust, that's when you really test trust. If you trust someone, you assume that they want to do the right things, they intend to do the right things, but they just made a mistake. And so you can be willing to forgive them. When you don't have trust, people start to question your intent, your purpose, your ethics, even your capabilities. 
Then once you start not trusting people, then there's resentment. There might even be jealousy. And ultimately then you might start sabotaging each other or even have vendettas. And, and, and I'm saying this, but I'm sure some of you can relate to what I'm saying. All this goes on in the workplace when people don't trust each other. And uh, another manifestation is finger pointing. So trust is the foundation. You, you see why now I wanted to really kind of address that one first. It, it goes on to say the beauty of trusting your teammates is that oftentimes your teammates reward you. Most people genuinely want to do a good job. In a remote team, there aren't any silly rules about having to CYA um, and or having to focus on sitting in a seat. Now, you, you see I'm kind of candy coating what he's saying here because he actually uses a little bit of different languages. And he, what he's saying is that in the real world, there's these rules about having your butts in a seat for a certain hours of a day and managers seeing that as you being productive. Well, in a trust environment, a culture of trust, you trust that people are going to do the right things, whether or not you can see them. And if they're not getting them done, it's not because they don't want to or that they're lazy or they're avoiding work. There is a good reason. That's what trust allows you to do with your teammates. And just as you trust your teammates, you also want to be trusted. In other words, you don't want to be questioned and challenged or doubted. With that said, there's point. the next point that he points out is that you have to show your work. And this is where Agile and the daily stand-ups give you that platform. Because someone can't see you, and because they may not have a background and history and relationship with you, the only way they know that you are getting work done, doing your part, carrying your load, is that you have to show your work. So, that's one of the things, and you heard me just on a previous episode where I talked about daily stand-ups, is talk about what you accomplished yesterday, what you plan to accomplish today, and what is impeding your accomplishments. And I use that language specifically, accomplishments, because you're showing them, not only am I working, because when day after day you say, I'm working on a screen, I'm working on a screen, day after day, your teammates don't necessarily have a good gauge of your progress. When you say, I accomplished getting the start button, I accomplished getting the stop button, I accomplished creating a drop-down list, you're talking about what you've done. So, language is so important in sharing with your team what you're getting done, being completely transparent. And sometimes I have to coach teams to over-communicate. It may seem trivia, obvious, um, all of the above, but regardless, communicate to your teammates. Okay. 
Now, so those were those were two at the bottom of the list that I wanted to start out with. So now I'm going to roll back up to some of the ones at the top of the list. Um, another one, this would be number three, is realizing that building a face-to-face culture is more than a ping-pong table. But at the same time, use the ping-pong table analogy. The ping-pong table is somewhere where people can gather let off a little steam, have a little fun, take their minds off of whatever is the the, the pressure that they might be feeling, um, maybe even have some banter about work or not about work. And it ultimately can unite the team. Well, when the team is remote, you have to come up with a virtual ping pong table. What is that thing that you can do to build a team culture where they can relax, even be themselves to some extent, or be someone other than just that worker bee? That virtual ping pong table for some of my teams has been everyone taking turn telling a joke or coming up with a inspirational quote. It was something that we did at the end of our stand-ups. Um, others, it might be a fun chant. Others, we might have a theme Friday. Everyone wear their favorite hat. Everyone wear their favorite t-shirt or wear a team t-shirt. And after the stand-up or even before the stand-up, We just took a few minutes for everyone to talk about that hat or that T-shirt or um, bring something from your favorite vacation. Bring a family photo. Just something for everyone to rally around. It was our virtual ping pong table. So keep that in mind. There is some significance to the ping pong table, but you have to work at finding a way of doing it virtually. The next thing is, this will be our number four, culture is about how you work. So the ping pong table is great. It lets you have some fun, let off some steam. But ultimately, a team culture is how you work. And so the team needs to have conversations and communicate about how they want to work. And then also coming up with a way of recognizing and rewarding team members when they are contributing and are going above and beyond their contributions. And so things that you sometimes don't have to talk about when you're co-located, you have to talk about and make the effort to talk about them when you're remote. So what are going to be our core hours? How are we going to communicate when someone needs to step away or take a break or has to be out of the office or can't carry their load for whatever reason? When are we going to communicate? Are we going to work 40 hours or are we going to work 80 hours? And that's a prime example. People don't often talk and have to say, well, we're going to put in a little extra. Or are you able to put in a little extra? It looks like based on our commitment, we might have to do a little 
more than our 40 hours? Is everybody on the team willing, capable, or who on the team is willing and capable? And if someone's not willing or capable, maybe that doesn't mean they get punished. But recognizing that over the course of a project or a year, that at some point everybody makes some sacrifice when it's needed. But maybe not every sprint or every time there's a call for overtime does everybody have to participate. And that's something, again, that sometimes you have to explicitly have a discussion about. Now, my example about sometimes we might have to push the 40-hour envelope. Well, that's also when the team talks about, well, how will we reward or compensate ourselves for going above and beyond? So will we take collectively a half day off one Friday? Will we... Consider that when we determine our velocity for the next sprint, that everyone's due maybe a comp day. These are things that you talk through instead of assuming and expecting, especially, again, with remote teams, so that there is, in fact, clear guidelines so that things are fair on both sides of the equation. So, if the remote team has been working 60-hour days, whereas the domestic team may have only been working 45 hours, how will the team balance out? Maybe only the remote team will take the Friday half day. These are things, again, So that the team feels like there's a sense of fairness and recognition and consistency. So, let's elaborate on the next point. Tools allow for collaboration. So, for example, a co-located office develops its own personality through inside jokes, shared experiences, in a collaborative environment, such as that ping pong table, or even having things like whiteboards. Whereas a remote team needs to develop something similar. The easiest way to do this is with your day-to-day tool set. So find out what tools there are that allow you to create that kind of ad hoc communication. I can remember, for example, our team, everybody was feeling kind of stressed. We were trying to push and get a particularly challenging feature out. And someone in the corner of our whiteboard drew a picture of basically a hangman with the person's tongue sticking out. Here's another one as we round out our list. Slack. In your virtual office, you have to have some slack time. What does that mean? I can remember when I would go into the office, I actually felt less productive than when I worked from home. When I'm home alone, I'm up, I open my laptop, I get my coffee, 
And I could not move from one space for what felt like eight hours. But when you're in the office, people are going to stop by. You might stop by. You might be on your way to the break room to get a cup of coffee. You bump into someone. When people come in in the morning, they're going to say good morning. You're going to say good morning. There's going to be some banter. There's all these casual and random banter that goes on in the office. And you could say around the water cooler. The other key thing, especially with Agile, is that you have a lot of eavesdropping. You overhear someone say something. You might jump into a conversation. Someone can do a drop-by and ask you a a question. All of these are kind of slack activities. Kind of those water cooler, ad hoc, impromptu. These are important. They're helpful. They break up the monotony. They can help with team building. You're helping someone. Someone's helping you. But you don't always get these when you're remote or isolated, like when I worked at home. So you have to build slack. So what I've done and been through my coaching, we were encouraged to from time to time just do a pop-up, hi or hello to other teammates. We were even told after an hour of working, stop and just do a pop-up to a team member. Hey, how's it going? What are you working on? Everything going okay? Just small, quick pop-ups. That would be the equivalent of a virtual kind of water cooler or bumping in the hall kind of conversation, which they refer to as Slack. Also, one of the things in the virtual community that we have at our disposal is different emoticons and memes. These are another form of Slack, but a virtual interpretation of Slack. It's a way of just kind of sharing an emotion or a feeling. Something to either make your other teammate laugh or to take notice. Is also a way for us to blow off steam. Just funny ways or fun ways of sharing what we might be feeling. We even have an exercise in our retrospect where before we get started, everyone just draws on a piece of paper a form of an emoticon that expresses what they're feeling about the project, about the team, about the most recent sprint, whatever's relevant. So I've seen everything from people with smiley faces to people where their heads have exploded to where people had a black eye. And all of these emoticons allowed us to explore what it represented. So where someone might not say, look, I feel like I got a black eye. I feel like I've been beat up. I feel like I've been attacked. They may not ever express this, but the emoticon opened the door for that dialogue and conversation. So also keep that in mind.
Also, again, having hangouts, buddies, and go-to meetings. So, this is, again, an opportunity, kind of around that concept of Slack, where people can, from time to time, just go hang out. Maybe it's not just one-on-one. Take a couple of people, go to a hangout, talk about maybe something that might be a reoccurring theme in the team. Or buddy pairing. This is where you're working on something perhaps and you want a second opinion. Now, all that is once you have established that environment of trust. Because you can have hangouts if you know people won't abuse them. You can have and reach out to a buddy for help if you feel comfortable that people won't see asking for help as a sign of weakness. So that's why, as you can see, I started out most importantly with that trust factor in order for you to then leverage tools like hangouts and buddy pairs. Now, my last example, uh, or my, uh, my next thing on my list, second to my last, is the reward system. Having some way to virtually reward each other and have the reward and recognition come from within the team, not a manager, not a project manager, not even a scrum master, but actual team members. One team, what they did was they used a gift card account. And so it was just a matter of adding dollars or points to a gift card. So it was ongoing and always outstanding. And when someone did something that promoted the team, or maybe they stepped up and did something that may have been a sacrifice for them, but was for the benefit of the team, they would get points. Now, the team as a whole could give a single person a point. People could vote on who could get points. There's various ways you can set up these gift cards accounts. So, Something worth looking into. And foremost, when all else, or above all else, from time to time, incorporate an in-person meeting. For many teams, it's what we call the iteration zero, the kickoff. At some point, even no matter if it's one time, a limited time, Having one face-to-face and having activities where people are paired or grouped together, it's always that central point that people can go back to. Remember that time. It's a shared memory. That in itself also cultivates a group. And if you will humor me to give you one other point, is there's some way, sometimes... The opportunity to have a shared event, even though it's dispersed. How one team did this is that they declared 
a community service day. So everyone within that sprint had adjusted the velocity so that the team could take a particular day and everyone do something in their community. So although they were doing something local, when they came back together and their stand-ups both before and after, they described what they intended to do. Then they came back and reported what they did. And they even had pictures and a show and tell to share what they did. And they often found common elements of what they did in their different environments. So although they were doing them in different locations, but on the same day, it cultivated a shared memory. So all that said, you can build the trust and communication that's the same equivalent of a face-to-face communication even with remote teams. It doesn't happen by magic. You have to put in the time and effort, but you can be extremely successful. So, consider this a double sip, but well worth it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of our Agile Alphabet, Agile A to Z. Bye for now.